0: Section 6 of Stupor Mundi, The Life and Times of Frederick II by Lionel Alshorn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 3. The Adventure and the Goal, Part 2. He then turned his attention to Otto, who from his ancestral duchy of Saxony had been ravaging the neighboring province of Turingia, frederick led an army into saxony and drove Otto into his fortress of brunswick he then retired to spiers and kept christmas in state the ruin of Otto was accelerated by his own rashness realizing that alone he could not withstand the rising power of the young emperor he hoped to secure the active support of john of england by aiding that monarch in an attack upon philip augustus frederick's ally he advanced into france and met the forces of john and the count of flanders philip summoned the chivalry of france to his side and marched against the invaders there followed the memorable battle of bouvines which not only resulted in england's loss of normandy but completed the overthrow of the Guelph hopes he retired again into saxony and occasionally led predatory attacks into the neighbouring provinces frederick however having crushed the Guelph party in other parts of germany felt secure enough to ignore otto and he was allowed to live out his days in his own territories comforting his soul with a semblance of the imperial dignity he had lost and surrounded by a little court who still hailed him as emperor he died in the year twelve eighteen and was buried in his purple robes frederick's triumph was completed in twelve fifteen by the surrender of aix-la-chapelle the favoured city of charlemagne which had clung to odo's cause as long as there was any prospect of his success on the twenty fourth of july his coronation was repeated in the royal city he was anointed with holy oil and placed on the throne of charlemagne after a religious ceremony he was invested with the royal insignia and the silver crown of germany was set on his head the multitude of dignitaries that filled the church acclaimed his coronation with a thrice repeated cry of assent he then made a rash vow which was to involve him in many troubles in later years moved by an eloquent sermon exhorting all the faithful to undertake another crusade and influenced no doubt by an emotion of gratitude for his success which the ceremony of his crowning had evoked he took the cross and swore to lead an army into the holy land thirteen years were to elapse before he fulfilled this solemn engagement but there is no reason to doubt the sincerity in which he contracted it it was taken however by a young man of twenty under the influence of a mental exaltation and each year, as it went by, brought fresh tasks to be performed, which must take precedence of this chivalrous enterprise. He had to restore peace and order in Germany, to secure and confirm the loyalty of his new subjects, and to ensure the succession of his son to the dignities which death might wrest from him when he should embark upon this perilous war against the infidel. After Germany there was Italy to demand his attention the royal power must be made of more effect in turbulent lombardy and his kingdom of sicily and naples must be restored to the peace and good governance of which it had known so little since the emperor henry the sixth first led his german warriors into the south all these matters the duties of his kingship must be ordered before a crusade could be undertaken or else anarchy would inevitably raise its head as soon as he had turned his back upon his dominions and taken ship for the east the popes however in their enthusiasm for the crusades which redounded so greatly to their influence and prestige were not likely to appreciate the reasons for frederick's long postponement of the fulfilment of his vow it was fortunate for the emperor in this matter of the crusade as in others that the stern and imperious Pope Innocent died in the following year. His successor, Honorius III, was a man of comparatively gentle and tolerant nature, qualities which rendered him ill-fitted to guide the bark of St. Peter along its ambitious course. The successful medieval Pope was a creature of sterile heart and petrified humanity, expediency his only guide, the aggrandisement of the papal power his single purpose honorius was too mild of disposition too chary of harsh measures and frederick was thus allowed a grace of eleven years wherein to develop his power before another militant pontiff arose to lay jealous hands upon the imperial edifice which he had restored even honorius however was not minded to let the prolonged delays of the laggard crusader pass unrebuked frederick was willing enough to assist him in spurring the barons and knights of germany into activity but postponed his own departure year after year youth power fame your vow the example of your ancestors summon you to fulfil your glorious enterprise wrote honorius in 1220, that which your illustrious grandfather frederick i undertook with all his puissance it is your mission to bring to a glorious end. Three times have I consented to delay. I will even prolong the term to the first of May. The first of May passed, however, and no wrathful maledictions fell upon Frederick's head. The following November saw him at Rome in perfect amity with the Pope. Meanwhile, Frederick spent the period from 1215 to 1220, in fulfilling the duties of his kingship of germany they were years of constant activity he travelled from town to town from province to province holding diets bestowing charters righting the wrong with rough but impartial justice regulating trade and granting favours he displayed an energy and assiduity which were all the more admirable because they were contrary to his inclinations his was not the feverish and unnatural restlessness of a justinian but the grim determination to leave nothing undone that ought to be done to let nothing be sacrificed to the elegant ease and luxury which his soul loved the fame of his beneficent rule spread far and wide the merchant could travel in peace the widows and the fatherless were secure from oppression evildoers had to hide their faces before his vigorous justice side by side with this common round of duty he was occupied in maturing a scheme for the transmission of all his dignities to future members of his house his wife constance rejoined her lord in germany in twelve sixteen after a separation of four years and brought with her their young son henry it was frederick's intention to secure the election of the child who had already been crowned as joint ruler of Sicily, to the throne of Germany, so that on his death Henry should succeed to both empire and kingdom. This was not at all to the liking of the papacy, who saw in the union of the two powers a menace to its own supremacy and independence. Innocent, indeed, had been impelled to sanction Frederick's election to the empire by the necessity of raising up a rival to the rebellious Otto. It was a step which he had afterwards regretted, and had endeavoured to rectify, by compelling Frederick to renounce his own title to the kingdom of Sicily in favour of his son. Frederick had actually promised to carry out this renunciation as soon as he should have been crowned emperor at Rome, when the death of innocent and the accession of the less formidable Pope Honorius released him from the necessity of fulfilling his agreement. He then set actively to work to prepare the way for the attainment of his purpose. He associated the name of Henry with his own in all charters and grants, and gave him the title of ruler of Burgundy and Duke of Schwabia. He ingratiated his powerful subjects by generous gifts and contrived to acquaint them with the wish he had at heart. The scheme came to fruition at the Great Diet of Frankfurt, which assembled in april twelve twenty the princes of the empire, while declaring their objection to the union of the empire and the kingdom of Sicily, proceeded to accomplish that union by electing the young Henry as the future king of Germany. This was a great triumph for Frederick, who could now anticipate the undisputed succession of his son Henry to the dual sovereignty of empire and kingdom. It was a triumph, however, that was not gained without cost, it needed something more than his great popularity to induce the electors to grant what he so much desired whether the price had been agreed upon beforehand or whether it was a spontaneous act of gratitude we do not know but after the election of his son henry frederick granted a charter of liberties to the princes and prelates of the empire the disruptive tendencies of this charter have been considerably exaggerated by historians it merely confirmed the princes in the enjoyment of certain privileges such as the right of coinage and tollage, which they had long claimed but which such powerful sovereigns as barbarossa had not allowed them to practise it is true that such privileges were derogatory to the royal authority but the princes had become so independent and despotic during the civil war which followed on the death of henry that Frederick had not the power to compel them to return to the subjection of Barbarossa's rule. The grant of this Charter of Liberties was therefore little more than a graceful concession of certain rights which had already become established by practice. In return he obtained not only the suffrages of the princes for his son, but also an increased popularity and devotion for himself. Frederick has frequently been saddled with the responsibility for the disruption of the German kingdom into a number of sovereign principalities and the fatal weakening of the imperial authority. In reality, this disruption was not due to Frederick's charter, but to the civil wars which preceded his accession and the long confusion that ensued on his death. It must also be regarded as the triumph of the policy of the popes the election of the young henry to the german throne without the consent of the papacy was an affront and a menace which aroused the wrath of even the gentle honorius frederick hastened to soothe the ruffled feelings of the pontiff by an explanation whose sincerity we cannot entirely approve he declared that the election of his son was the spontaneous action of the electors taken in his absence and without his knowledge the electors had realized from a quarrel which had broken out between two of their number the absolute necessity of a king to maintain order during frederick's absence in his other dominions or in the holy land he had no intention he assured honorius of uniting the kingdom with the empire even if the church had no right over the kingdom of apulia and sicily he wrote i would freely grant that kingdom to the pope rather than attach it to the empire should i die without lawful heirs honorius was reluctant to offend the emperor because of his anxiety to see the latter organize a crusade and consequently he accepted frederick's explanation with the best grace he could the young emperor-elect had by this time restored order throughout germany and established his authority as firmly as he could hope he trusted to the personal popularity he had secured to maintain the princes in their loyalty he now resolved to turn his attention to his italian dominions and also to receive the final confirmation of his imperial office by his coronation at the hands of the pope in the city of the caesars he had already sent an ambassador to the roman senate and received the following reply written by the senator parencio in the name of the whole roman people the letter sent to us by your serenity when read in the capital rejoiced the hearts of us all your worthy ambassador the abbot of fulda has told us how you are disposed to cherish the roman senate and people we beseech the most high to continue this disposition in you when you are raised to the empire we are all longing for that happy day when we shall hail your coronation you warn us to obey the pope and to set an example of devotion to the christian world we are resolved to bind ourselves to the roman church which has been founded in the city not by men but by jesus christ himself it is our special mother and we are its special bulwark against foes we will take care that peace is kept at your coronation honorius himself in spite of the displeasure which frederick had incurred through his postponement of the crusade and the election of his son henry was quite ready to lay aside his grievances and receive the emperor-elect with all due honor. He wrote to the German princes, commanding them to respect the royal authority during Frederick's absence, and he expressed the gratification that it would afford him to welcome the emperor and empress to Rome. Frederick, therefore, after having held a final court at Augsburg and entrusted his son, who was to stay behind to represent him, into worthy hands, Turned his back on Germany in the August of 1220. He was not to return for the space of fifteen years. End of section six.